1: Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
2: Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And
3: 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left
2: field. And the Guerrero lifts one to left field. And...
0: Oh, yeah. People are starting to get juiced. People are starting to get ready for baseball season. And we got a fun one. We got a little night baseball. I've been watching day baseball all day. I was just watching the Halos and the Rockies. Hey, nothing says 2022. You know, when I look back on this start of the year and I think about my life, And I think about where I am in my life and everything going on in all of our lives. And I think about everything we had to do to get to this moment. And I think about the lockout. I think about the hardship. I think about us being off the air. And I saw something today that made it all worthwhile. You know, we were locked out through Christmas We were locked out through the new year. We weren't working. Cody was bouncing off the walls because he had nothing to do. I mean, it was miserable. You guys were worried. No baseball. What's going to happen? I mean, it was doom and gloom. And then I saw the ray of light today. I saw today what is going to make all of our lives so much better and so much more special. And it popped up right in front of my television that the fight between the owners, the fight between the players, it was all worth it for one reason. Chris Bryant now is a Colorado Rocky. Seeing Chris Bryant in that purple spring training uniform made me think, ah, the baseball gods got it right. <laughs> I was like, I'm like watching that, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Angels Rockies, huh? Chris Bryant is a rocky. That's where we are in 2022. Well, you know, I mean, he's going there to win and probably like Mike Hampton, he enjoys the school system. But seriously, on a serious note, I know there's a lot of build up there. Uh little night baseball. I I actually even though spring training to me is always day baseball like sitting around. I mean, there's nothing better Sitting around, if you're able to sit around, obviously we have unique jobs, but like to sit around and watch games today. I was watching the Astros earlier today. I've watched a bunch of games. I was watching the Astros. I saw Rockies. I saw Angels. Just watching baseball in the background is solid. Then tonight we got uh, we got A's. We got Dodgers, and I'm not sure is this game on. Is this on the network, or is this on our uh, on NBC Cali?
2: I think, uh, well, we only have two games that were on TV this year for spring. It was Sunday, and I think next weekend there's another game with Glenn in Dallas. Uh, I'm pretty sure this game's probably going to be on Spectrum Net in L.A., so Dodger fans will get to see it. It might be on MLB Network. Uh, I don't see why it wouldn't be. There's no other games going on tonight. Uh, I haven't really checked the So we the must night-
0: be playing at their yard then. Yeah,
2: we're in Glendale. We're at Camelback Ranch is where we are. So yeah, this will be an uh you know uh, ace cast and terrestrial game only I think unless we're teaming, uh, streaming on my teams which I haven't
0: I haven't seen yet. According to Dave Roberts, this is a a World Series or bust type year, and why wouldn't it be? I mean the the Dodgers are, I would say at this point and. I guess it's not really totally fair to say this because they do have some advantages, but they are probably the model franchise right now. And what I mean by that, and kind of, and it's not fair, but you know, life's not fair. They are the model franchise from the standpoint of they make a ton of money. I mean, money grows on trees for them. I mean, no, no one since the Dodgers moved west in 1958. Probably, I would, I, I would say we have very few people listening, or will download this and listen later, who actually are alive today and remembered the Dodgers moving west with the Giants in 1958. But since the, since the Dodgers moved in 1958, we can make fun of Dodger fans. We can say they show up late, leave early. You can throw all that stuff out there. But nobody's turnstiles have turned more in Major League Baseball. So that means no one in American professional sports. If you hate the Dodgers, you're going to hate me saying this. And I grew up loathing the Dodgers. Like, Dodger blue to me makes me want to puke, but I have respect. No professional sports team in the United States of America since 1958 has had their turnstiles turn more than the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look it up. It's fact. Obviously, baseball, the other sports, hockey, NBA, NFL, they can't compete. They just can't. Because baseball's got 81 home games, and obviously it hasn't always been 81 home games since 1958, but baseball's always had the most home games. But it tells you, I don't care how loyal any fan base looks, nobody has, Dodger Blue has had more fans than anybody in all of American sports. They put butts in the seats year after year after year. And I do believe at this point they do have, it's either number one or number two, largest cable deals in baseball. But what they did bring in Friedman from Tampa was they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to play money ball with money. That became the chic thing, right? Right? Moneyball came out. We were all like, Moneyball? Moneyball's awesome. Book, Oscars. You know, Billy Bean didn't run up onto the stage and slap anybody at those Oscars. I don't remember Brad Pitt going up and going after anybody. But if they did, you know what I would say? Sounds like an Oakland A already. I was waiting for you to, if we were going to get into that or not. Maybe we'll do it later. The slap heard round
2: the world on Sunday night. I mean, that took over, that took over the world when that happened.
0: Well... It took over, it's still the second lowest rated Oscars of all time, so everybody's slowly their role. It it, it is a great, you know, if we were able to teach, if somebody said, Townie and the Commander, you're now going to be college professors, and we're going to bring you in to talk media, and that counts social media now. And as you said, it took over the world. Well, it took over social media, but no one was really watching it. It's the second lowest rated awesome all those award shows not to get away from baseball but all those award shows are really dying they've all had record lows at record lows. whether you're talking golden globes grammys i mean just down the line people are not watching network television and they're not watching these award shows anymore at all. And these award shows, these, network, these networks have paid buco bucks for these to have the rights of these award shows. They're not being watched. So even Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith and Will Smith going down and still yelling at Chris Rock, keep my wife's blank out of your mouth, and all that, still the second lowest rated Oscars of all time. Yes, I do talk ratings cuz that's 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 what you talk about ratings and success is what makes the world go around for us it's ratings it's attendance it's all that kind of stuff you can't you can't you can't get away from it but yes twitter goes nuts facebook goes nuts but people just watch it on twitter they weren't watching it nor were they taping it second-lowest-rated Oscars of all time. I remember the Golden Globes, like back-to-back years, the lowest-rated ever. The Tonys, they're all just taking an absolute nosedive. But the Dodgers, what they have done, and Friedman and company, is he considered? What is he? Is he president? Is he VP? What is his fancy title? I think the he's, Dodgers? I think he's president. Andrew Friedman.
2: I think he's president of baseball operations. Yeah. What? He's
0: the head honcho.
2: Yeah, president of baseball That's, operations. You
0: know what? That's what we're going on from here on out. Because I can't. What? What's Hein Bloom and Boston? Chief
2: baseball officer. Don't forget it.
0: Billy Bean's va- vice president of baseball operations. Correct. Far- I think Farhan's vice president of baseball operations. David Force is general manager. I just you can't keep up with these guys and all their. Uh, what the hell's a guy's name in Kansas City who's been there forever? Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore. What he's got some. He's got like three titles. Well,
2: Farhan's actually the president of baseball operations for the Giants. He's president, not he's, VP. But, but, no, yeah, he's president. Billy's VP. Farhan's president.
0: And Himes, what?
2: Chief, chief baseball officer Is there
0: a since he's chief baseball officer is there a baseball officer below him Uh that's a really good Why question Why does he get chief Uh
2: Dayton Moore is the president he's the president of the Kansas City Chiefs
0: Chiefs Royals Oh wow he stepped up to the president of the organization Yeah
2: that's right they did have someone take over as their general manager I forget who it was it happened like in I think it might but, have happened But he used
0: to have like a three-title deal he was like Vice president and blank and blank and but he had like three titles, but yeah. now he's just the president, so he moved up.
2: Yeah, it says right here. Uh, this is Wikipedia, so take. it I what believe you want.
0: everything I read on the internet and everything I see at the Oscars. More
2: will be promoted in 2021, so this is now the 2022 season. He'll
0: be promoted to be the team's president of baseball operations. Now, oh, good for him. So, they, the Dodgers, were criticized for years for not unloading. Their top prospects like people in L.A. were like, hey, you know what? We're winning, but we're not winning a World Series. And like you're holding on to like Gavin Lux. Why? Why are you not bettering this ball club? And 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 that was kind of before the Mookie Betts deal. And then, of course, they brought in Mookie Betts. They won the covid season, which people are now starting and it kind of it does rub me wrong people are now starting to throw shade on that and if if you remember listening to this program I said those people are uh, morons to put it politely that the COVID championship and the A's were a part of that playoff I said at the time whether the A's win it or whoever wins it, this will be one of the greatest feats of all time. And unfortunately, people people who cover major league baseball are very small-minded. And I've heard people say this a lot on Sirius XM. Oh, that was the COVID year. You mean the year where people were dying from a disease, a virus all over the world and all around you? You mean a year where we only got to play 60 games? You mean in a year where players were put in a bubble and couldn't see friends and loved ones? You mean in a year where everywhere you went, you had to be sprayed down and sterilized? You mean in a year where you couldn't live in in a normal world? You mean in a year where it was the toughest maybe season these guys have ever had? That doesn't mean anything now? Oh, that's not a big deal. That was the COVID year. There's this one guy, I'm not going to mention his name, on SiriusXM, the baseball channel, keeps mentioning this. And I go, this guy, and he's an older guy too, so it's the fact that he has zero perspective is unbelievable to me. I mean, that was the hardest champion. I mean, you literally had to play your playoff games not at home. You literally had to get your, all right, who's going to be in the bubble? That's it. We're going to a hotel. We can't be normal people. Life's not normal. And we got to hunker down and play. We got to play with no fans. You had to win in L.A. or San Diego. Then you had to win in San Diego to get to the World Series. The Rays never saw fans. Rays end up winning down at Petco Park. Next thing you know, they got to go to Texas, and now they're playing at a ballpark they'd never seen before. Now there's playing in front of fans. The Dodgers were, were, were held up in Texas. I mean, it was crazy. Don't tell me that championship didn't mean, mean anything. That championship was so hard to win. For God's sakes, guys were still testing positive for COVID during the playoffs. Justin Turner tested positive in the final game, game six saying that that didn't mean anything, you're crazy. And that's where, you know what, I hate to say it, that's where for all of us who never played Major League Baseball, when the guys that didn't play Major League Baseball, we pop off like that, it hurts all of us. I will not take that championship away from the Dodgers. Are you kidding me? Everything that all, everybody went through? You ask any from, from Dave Cavill to David Force to Bob Melvin, everybody on that team, what they went through, no way. That was a tough championship to win. And the Dodgers have utilized what they have very wisely. They make a lot of money, but they only spend it in certain ways. And they have been down to doing what I think is really the number one thing to do in baseball is overpay for lesser years. They did it with Trevor Bauer. They've only given out one big crazy contract, and that's to Mookie Betts. But you were getting a guy in his prime, so you're paying for his prime. And you got to believe, barring injury, that he is going to age well. Uh, You've kept Kershaw on a really short leash. You know, one, two-year deals, paying him, showing him respect. Now Kershaw's taking a major pay cut. I mean, they have one major financial commitment long-term. That's Mookie Betts. Pollock was their only other, what, 60-something million that that they paid for?
2: I think it was four for 60, which which is is what they just gave Chris Taylor when they resigned him.
0: Which is nothing for them. So they've kind of been... Other than the Dodgers, is there is there anybody, like even Bryce Harper, they offered a ton of money for a short term. Harper didn't want to take that. I, I don't think that you could say out of the 30 teams, anybody top to bottom has been run better than the L.A. Dodgers in recent memory.
2: I don't think so either. And I think that what they've been able to do, with developing their farm system, trading away a lot of those guys in their farm system and still having elite prospects to trade to get other guys um, has been astonishing. It's, uh, Andrew Freeman's done a great job running the team coming over from Tampa. You know the Mookie Betts deal. We were you know, we were wondering if it was going to happen, and then that was the, the trigger of the you know the first big move he's made. But I mean he let he let Kenley Jansen walk, and they're going to probably run with Blake Trinan as their closer. Like he's not a he's not afraid to make you know make decisions that are probably unpopular with the fan base. I mean. They were they how close are they to really letting Kershaw walk away? I mean, because remember the rumors were he was going to sign with the Rangers.
0: Well, with 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 Kenley, I mean the guy was getting booed last year. He had a rough before he got that curveball rolling. He had it rough, and to them, you go sixteen million. We can take. We can allow a guy to move on, and we can take that sixteen million because I'm sure. There's no question. I don't know who Jansen's agent is, but they're going to go back to L.A. and say, hey, we got from the Braves one year, $16 million. And they look at it and they go, you know, we can take that $16 million and allocate it somewhere else and utilize it somewhere else. Or what also the Dodgers have been good at is willing to fight another day. And the fact that they can sit there and they can say, you know what, uh, let's wait to utilize some of this money that we have and resource that resources that we have, and we can use it at the trading deadline. Find out, find out what are, find out where are we when you know? Are there injuries? Are there weaknesses? Find out what we can do with this money later on. Always saving something in the tank. Always saving for versatility down the road. You'll find out exactly what you're going to need. So, Dodgers will be taking on the Oakland Athletics. And I know for all of us, each day we're looking at the lineups. (laughs) Each day we're looking and we're... uh, Trust the process. And... See what the A's are going to look like when they take that step and uh, get ready to start the season on a long road trip. This A's team with a lot of question marks are going to get hit right out of the gate with a big fight. Ten straight games on the road. But, you know, the thing about being with the A's right now is that the A's are the land of opportunity. I think everybody right now has to be looking and saying, hey, I got a chance to make the big leagues. I got a chance to, and and this is always not easy to talk about, but the reality is you are auditioning for not only yourselves i mean not only for the a's but for for 29 other teams you really are and that's how you have to look at it every day when you show up and you're playing for the oakland athletics you're you're ready to rock for the green and gold and if somehow some way you make it fantastic if not you're in a situation to where you're hoping that the other teams are looking at you right now because they're scouts. And, and, and sometimes you can look and you can thank somebody like a Sean Mania, or you can thank someone like Frankie Montas if you're one of these bubble guys because all these scouts showing up to A's games, all these scouts – have been showing up to watch the pitching. If you go out and you impress somebody, don't think that that guy's not seeing saying, hey, so-and-so for the A's, if they let this guy go, if he doesn't make the squad, we may want to pick this guy up. The pitchers have brought the the pitchers' availability or rumored availability. When you talk about butts in the seats, they've put scouts in the stands.
2: And those two guys are the guys we're going to probably hear about all year long. And the thing with the A's, you know, going up against the Dodgers tonight, uh, do, do, do we want to put stock in the spring training stats? Because the Dodgers are 2-5. and five. They're struggling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about them heading into the regular season. Now, the A's are 2-7. and seven. There's a big difference. And, you know, the A's are trying to figure out who's in the bullpen. Yeah, I'd like,
0: to, I'd like to see you flip this one around. So, you're crapping on the Dodgers for being 2-5. and five. Uh, And how are you going to sell that about the A's? Well, the the what I'm trying to
2: sell is people panicking about the Dodgers. There's no need to panic. Then again, there's, the A's are trying
0: to figure things out with the, the rotation. Can you honestly find me anywhere, anywhere? I'll take the craziest blogger in the world. I'll take the – can you find me <laughs> anywhere that somebody is panicking about the Dodgers 2-5 and starting spring?
2: I don't know if they're 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 panicking about their two and five start. But so I, the
0: answer is no.
2: No, but I'd be panicking about Cody Bellinger though. Your guy has struggled since that MVP season. I know it's spring training, but in 15, in twenty two at bats he struck out fifteen times. How do you go from being a former MVP, the number tenth ranked player in baseball last year according to MLB Network,
0: he's number ninety nine this year. How do you do it? Watch Cody Bellinger. He's so good defensively. I'll give him that. He he doesn't make contact. He is, you know, the modern-day player, which, oh, by the way, I have taken it upon myself to take time out. And I'm going to go – we get sent so many good baseball books that – they just stack up, and life moves on, and and I realize that oh, I was going to read that, and I didn't. So I'm making it a a a new thing for myself to start going through these baseball books, because you know you'll read like a chapter, and then you put it next to your bed, next and next you know it's got dust on it, and you haven't picked it up in a couple months. I am actively reading a fan's guide to baseball analytics: why WAR, WHIP. WOBA, and other advanced sabermetrics are essential to understanding modern baseball. And there are some things that I tell you, I, I, I agree with it so much, and there's other things I so laugh at. I, I, it's amazing to me that people who brought us the phrase small sample size, and they hate small sample size, but when they want to write a book and sell a book, their book is Sample Size Theater. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. Anthony Kasservance, who's a friend of the program, good writer, uh, I read his chapter on my flight home yesterday about the win, and the importance of the win, and breaking down how much it doesn't matter, and of course, even though, how many starting pitchers do you think there have been in the history of start uh, in the history of Major League Baseball? Well, that's
2: uh, well over. Let's see, five times thirty is one hundred and fifty, but you use more than that a season. Uh, oh, we're gonna say probably well over two hundred thousand. So you think there's been over two hundred thousand starting pitchers? Is that is that too much? Am I going to am I aiming too high?
0: I don't know. They played this game for like one hundred and fifty years, so I I, I I I don't I can't even fathom the number. I know it's a lot.
2: What was that number that that uh, they were running through? Like the guy to debut for the the Mariners last year was like the X number player to debut in the history of Major League Baseball. Remember that they were doing that last year? I think Fox Sports was doing it. It was um the guys that run Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter. They were counting down like the all these like this guy debuted to be the X number I have to look it up but I'm, I'm, I can't tell if 200,000 is a high number or not
0: Oh it's I mean whatever it is it's a crazy big number right the amount of starting pitchers in the history of baseball but yet we're going to say that the win doesn't matter based off one guy and who it was one guy. Hundreds of thousands of guys have started major league baseball games, according to Cody. Hundreds of thousands. All right, why are you shaking your head? Twenty thousand players
2: debuted major league baseball, so I'm way off. All right, what do you think? <laughs> we'll say we'll. It says that MLB is closing on, on its twenty thousandth player, and and we're counting. And that was over after 150 years. That was the last April. So yeah, some guys, but twenty thousand. So I said two hundred
0: thousand starting pitchers. I think I aimed a little too high. Uh, well. well say, How many? I mean, how many Major League Baseball games have there been? Well, every year there's been a different amount per game per season. Well, someone's had to. Two guys have had to start. Yeah, still think that number's high. Find out, put in how many games. So twenty thousand guys have date. That's just debuted. Uh, Over the over
2: 150 years of Major League Baseball history, over 218,000 games. uh, There's been over 218,400 games played. There have been 23 Official perfect
0: games this is according to Wikipedia. So, okay. There's a lot of starting pitchers. Here's my point. We did a whole chapter in this fabulous book about why the win doesn't matter based on one guy. You imagine that? One guy. One guy is going to tell us, and this one outlier is going to tell us why the win for a starting pitcher doesn't matter. Over all the thousands upon thousands. Now, if you could take this one guy, Jacob deGrom, and you could find me. I guess I got to save this, huh? Save it for after our guest. Okay, can I just tease this? If you were to invest in something and you had very, very, very little data Now, on one end of the spectrum, you have endless amount of data. And on this other end, you barely have any. Would you invest in the company that had none? No. Like, if you came to a conclusion off one player, when we, 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 I would say, let's just put it this way. There's been at least 50,000 guys who have started games in Major League Baseball. All right, we'll run with that. All right? <laughs> if there's been 50,000 dudes who have started Major League Baseball and Jacob DeGrom was not an outlier, wouldn't you be able to raffle off hundreds of Jacob DeGroms, guys that had unreal stats, but you really couldn't do the win-loss to say how good they were? Wouldn't there just be hundreds of them? Yes. Wouldn't there just be – I mean, I, they would just roll off the tongue. Guys that had ERAs under three and guys that led league in this and led league in that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't those guys just, just roll off the tongue if that was the case? You would think so. And I came up with a new idea about why the win matters, and it's psychological. Where do the Pirates, the buckos, train – in Florida.
2: Uh, Bradenton, I want to say. So I don't know where that is in relation to. All
0: I know is when I watch those spring training games in Florida, all it looks is windy. It just looks. And every single time I've been to Florida, windy. Like it's nice. Obviously, getting out of the cold for a lot of these teams that play in the East, Midwest, where it's freezing. But, man, training in Florida to where, like, Arizona is just, like, perfect. I mean, how many of the guys are like, hey, get this game over with, get practice over with, we go play golf, you got the night, you got, you know, time for dinner. Arizona's beautiful at night during spring training. We are going to be down in Arizona. Cannot wait coming up here. on We get there on Friday. We'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And we'll be uh, checking in with all the new guys. Jed Lowry's gonna is Jed going to join us today? Not not today, but it looks like we'll have him sometime this week. When I saw, we were actually, you know, funny thing was we were joking about that, and then it came true. But you know, Jed, the one thing that well, two things. Jed, when he's an A, stays healthy, and when Jed is an A, he hits. And right now, you could see Jed as somebody that gets a lot, logs a lot of time at DH. And still at this point for Jed Lowry, uh, you know, he can play second base. And right now, with the A's and the flexibility, they don't really have a second baseman. Greg, do we have you now? Gotcha. I'm on. Oh, great. How is Florida? Well, Florida was great
1: until I panicked because I thought my phone was messing up. But uh, it, it's it's great right now. It's spectacular. Florida's—I don't know how often you guys get down here this time of year, but uh, it's it's a great place. You know, we're on the west coast, the Suncoast side, uh, just below Tampa, just a little bit north of Sarasota, and the weather's been great, and uh, we're we're kind of plugging along here.
0: So tell us as we preview the Pittsburgh Pirates, how do you view their season in 2022?
1: Oh, it's another, you know, another year building uh, during this rebuild. This is uh, year 3 though that kind of comes with a qualifier because I personally with no disrespect to the to the Rays or the Dodgers, I completely throw out uh, 2020 um I don't I don't count that year at all, and that was the first year under Ben Charrington and Derek Shelton and uh, new president Travis Williams. So um, that being said, then if if you take that out as a qualifier, this is year two of a rebuild, and they tore it down and they're trying to build it back up. They got a lot of talent a lot in the system, but uh, they're still you know probably I would guess sometime next year. You'll, you'll start to see uh, the fruits of their labor. Whether they contend or not next year, we'll, we'll see. But I, I get the impression this is going to be another kind of long year.
0: Well, the one thing that I stands out from your guys' spring training and had seen him limited uh, and then got to see him this spring, and he immediately stands out as this O'Neill Cruz kid. And one of the reasons is – he what is he six seven? I mean, he it's amazing how big he is as a shortstop. We got used to uh, uh, someone like Cal Ripken Jr. Then to Alex Rodriguez to have a guy uh, of quite size play shortstop, but I don't think I've ever seen a guy six seven playing shortstop. I mean, he looks like a, he looks like a power forward out there.
1: Yeah, I don't know that there's ever been a guy that has played. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm positive. No, no there's never been a regular shortstop 6'7 in the big leagues. Um, And, you know, the debate goes on. We just, uh, a couple hours ago, the Pirates announced that they were sending him down to the minors, so he's not going to make the club, which really disappoints a lot of Pirate fans. (laughs) They're kind of looking forward to seeing this. As you say, he's like a a freak of nature. Um, Not only is he 6'7, but he's got, you know, just unbelievable raw power for a young kid. And, um, but they think he needs more developing. They, they, he hit a couple of home runs this spring that were ridiculous and uh, up ending up on his uh, back knee on a follow through on one swing and then crushed one. Uh, down, I don't know what the distance was. I was not at the, uh, at the ballpark uh, when he hit the second one, but it was the people that were there said it was a tape measure job. And, um, but the debate is, you know, can he play shortstop every day in the big leagues, Uh the pirates, are going to start introducing him to the outfield at triple at, uh, a he played actually, I think three innings the other day in a, in a big league spring game in left field. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he wants to play short. There are many who believe that he should be given the opportunity to play shortstop at the major league level until he shows that he cannot, um, because you know, it's, it's uncharted waters. You, you mentioned, you know, his, his size of people just baseball. People think that, you know, at that size, You just can't play shortstop. Um, But he's played there in in his minor league career. Um, He gets to a a lot of balls with those long arms. He's quick. He's very athletic. And uh, we will see when he gets to the big leagues where he starts. A lot of it might have to do with what's going on at the major league level at the time. Right now, Kevin Newman is the starting shortstop and a gold glove finalist last year. He was terrible offensively coming off a 2019 rookie year where he hit over 300 and uh, drove the ball into the gaps. Uh, so he's the, uh, he will inherit that, that position this year. Uh, it, unless he's moved out uh, and, and, and when Cruz is ready, maybe he goes out to the outfield, maybe Newman changes positions. He's plays a lot of second base, but it is, it's, it's, it's the one thing, you know, that the, the pirates have, the fans have to hold on to, in terms of uh, the rebuild, that that this is kind of the first big big piece of the rebuild, O'Neill Cruz.
0: Well, I'm telling you right now, I saw it the other day. I can't remember what day it was. I, you know, I, I I'm a junkie. I sit around and I watch all these spring training games, and it's it's on in the background. When I saw him the other day, I'll tell you what. I have no reason here out west to tune in regular to Pittsburgh Pirate baseball right now, <laughs> but if that kid. At 6'7", is playing shortstop on a daily basis. I can tell you, 4 o'clock our time, when you guys are starting, I'm firing up my computer. I want to watch him play because it looks fascinating to see somebody that athletic, that size, playing shortstop. I'd be watching.
1: Which is interesting to hear, you know, that you would say that because, uh, uh, you know, this is a – I spent – almost 10 years in the pirates front office before trying to learn how to become a broadcaster. And so I've, I've got my marketing hat on half the time. And uh, (laughs) I I understand that, that baseball people in, in, in actually, I guess, uh, player development, uh, a a general manager, I guess, of any sport, uh, but we're talking baseball here. I understand that uh, the baseball people don't necessarily want to hear from marketing people uh, because their job is to go out there and put the best product on the field to win ball games. I get it. But it part of me thinks that there are times when the marketing people should be involved. And uh, you know, again, in, in with my marketing cap on and, and my heart of hearts, I, I feel like you do that. It's a novelty and maybe it wears off, but maybe it doesn't. So, uh, and, and I also feel like, and until he proves that he cannot play shortstop, um, you know, maybe he breaks the mold uh, over these m- many years uh, of, of, of professional baseball, Major League Baseball that have, have been played uh, in this country. Maybe he's the first. Who's to say he can't be? And uh, I just I hope you yeah, understand introducing him to, to outfield play just in case they need to. Uh, give maybe a, a, a cruise a break off of short, or they they want to play somebody else for a while. But but boy, I, I sure hope that the vast majority of the time when he's at AAA Indianapolis, he's playing shortstop. And then when he when he gets that call to the major leagues that uh, that they introduce him on the field that night at TNC Park as the starting shortstop.
0: Yeah, it's 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 at a point like if you know going into a season. You're not going to compete. Forget about the division. You're not even going to compete for a wild card. I mean, this is the time to, to to take chances, to have some risk. Let's just see how it plays out. Let's see how it plays out when you say at the big league level. It's one thing letting it play out double A, triple A, but letting it play out at the big league level gives you a much better idea if it's real or not. Well, except that, you know, and then
1: now I'll, I'll put on my pirate uh, cap and 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 uh, defend them in, in that – and and they aren't the only ones. This has happened and, – and Ben Sherrington's the current general manager, but I, I've heard it from uh, three or four others that have been in that chair over the years with the pirates that, that they, they also don't want to hurt his development. There's the argument that if he starts at the big leagues and he collapses, if he – uh, if he's awful defensively and, and he takes that to the plate, and all of a sudden he falls flat on his face, and you know when do you decide that? Oh, enough is enough, uh, which is a really difficult uh, conversation to have amongst baseball people. That when the guy struggles, I've seen that a lot over the years too at the Pirates. That they 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 have this big time prospect come up and uh, they give him a chance and uh, because they think he's ready and and he he just gets is getting destroyed. You win. When do you say, the, uh-oh, we got to pull the plug on him? Not only quit playing him at the major league level, we got to send him back down. And how much does that hurt him long term? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's not a, a right answer to it. I, I get both. I get the people that say, why not? What the heck? Let him sink or swim right now. The Big leagues Pirates aren't going anywhere. And I've also heard people say, well, wait, because they aren't going anywhere, why would you send him to the major leagues when he's not barely sniffed? the triple a level uh, i think he's had maybe five games something like that uh, at, at the triple a level what's the harm in letting him go down at triple a and dominate there and then in about a month or so or whenever uh then call him up when he's raring to go
0: yeah it's always fascinating and it's about also the clock and how when is he going to be a free agent and we get into all of that but I just know at some point I'll be interested to see this kid. Brian Reynolds is someone who's also very interesting. Uh, Reynolds, how long do you think he remains a a buck? Is he going to be there long term, or do you see him getting shipped?
1: Don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on with conversations between uh, his agent and the Pirates. Uh, I don't know how far it's gotten. I would think that the Pirates would love to keep him long term. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't have an answer. I, you know, he's, he's still arbitration eligible for, I guess, three more years after this. Uh, and then if, if he's not signed, uh, then that decision comes and certainly uh, the A's and other clubs have had to, to make this call <laughs> uh, when, when you're a, a, a small market team, you've got to, to, to decide, do, do you let that, do you let him run his course? Do you let him play out? his arbitration years and then let him test the free agent market knowing you're going to lose him, Or do you trade him in his prime knowing you're not going to sign him long term. It's, it's a very different, it, it's why it's so difficult. Well, it's, it's difficult to win in sports period. It's tough to win games in any sport at this level. And it's really difficult to win, especially consistently when you're running a small market team. Uh, so, uh, I don't envy Ben Sherrington by any stretch.
0: You know, when you look at the Pirates, how do they get to a point that they are competitive on a consistent basis, or is it a build it up, have a quick run, run, Hopefully it works, and then you got to restart all over again because the difference between, let's say, Oakland and Pittsburgh is we're sitting here talking ballpark, ballpark, need a new ballpark. Pittsburgh already has one of the most beautiful ballparks in the game.
1: Well, I'll put out a warning (laughs) because I heard all that. And, and, uh, by the way, I was totally in favor. I was was having debates with local politicians uh, at at, at fire halls leading up to the – the, the vote on, on whether they should raise the, the sales tax uh, to, to build PNC Park. I was all in favor of it then. I'm still in favor of it. But I will tell you that people that were against it and, and people that questioned a new ballpark uh, and wondered about the sincerity of the then ownership group, they're long gone by now, but when they begged uh, the city and the state uh, and the county for help, Uh, and the taxpayers for help they said you know in order for the pirates to play with the big boys in order for us to kind of sustain for us the chance to win we've got to have this new ballpark and you know if if i'm if i'm honest with you it's it's not as if the ballpark did it uh they had they had a, a record first year in the new ballpark and that novelty wears out because you have to win and and Having been, uh, been involved in, in other sports besides baseball, I spent you know, four years in the Buffalo Bills broadcast booth when the Bills were going to Super Bowls, and I tell people this in Pittsburgh. They don't like to hear it. They think it's blasphemy. I say, you know, I hate to tell you this, but as much as you love that, it's a great town. The Steelers are, are you know, it's a great football town, but there's just as good a football town uh, about four hours north of here in buffalo new york and they're like what what are you kidding me yeah it's true and in fact i can probably point to uh 15 16 20 other cities that are just as good a football town hockey baseball that doesn't matter what the sport is a very simple equation you can have the most beautiful ballpark in the world but if you don't win and pnc park is every year is rated if it's not the best it's the top two or three uh if you don't win they don't come. And it's, and that goes to, and I learned my lesson a long time ago. I had an argument with our former general manager when they traded Freddie Sanchez out to the giants and Jack Wilson to the Seattle Mariners. And uh, I I kind of pleaded with them as a, as a, as a representative of the fans, like, how can you do this? Look at the the, the kids in the ballpark that are wearing Freddie Sanchez and Jack Wilson jerseys and, I had buddies of mine and, and fans tell me about that, that their kids that were crying when they heard Jack Wilson was traded. And I said, you know, how can you do this? Uh, he said, what do you think these fans prefer? Jack Wilson on a hundred loss team or somebody else when Jack Wilson is gone on a winning team. And I thought about it. And, you know, for a long time, I was one who believed that you had to keep certain players uh, in order to keep the fans interest the only players you need to keep the fans interest are players that help you win ball games. And that is the cold, hard truth of it all. And it it goes with the players and it goes with ballparks. Uh, I I sure hope Oakland gets it. I think it'd be awesome. I think it's a great area, Um, but having lived it, I can promise you uh, it is not the end all. Uh, it, 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 It takes a lot more than just a ballpark. To win and draw fans.
0: I know I've asked you about this before, but to me it's always fascinating. You being around the Buffalo Bills, that is truly one of the great modern day football teams of all time. I mean, all the Hall of Famers, what they accomplished going to four straight Super Bowls, just getting to one, but going to four straight. I know they lost the four, but they were such a high powered, Uh, the K-Gun on defense, Bruce Smith, Daryl Talley. They had so much talent on both sides of the ball. They will not be remembered as one of the great teams, but, I mean, they truly are. It just sucks they never won a Super Bowl.
1: And that's the shame of it all because, you know, know, postseason began back in 1903 when the owner of the Pirates and then the owner of the Boston Pilgrims decided – you know what, we could make more money here. The Pirates won the National League, Boston Pilgrims or Americans who became the Red Sox. You know, they, they won the American League. The Pirates won the National League and the two owners got together and said, you know, what if we decided that we don't end it here? How about we extend it? Let's do a best of nine series. We'll call it a championship and we'll get more fans and more money. And that's how it began. And so as the years have gone on, over well over a hundred years, and other sports have gotten involved and very popular. They realize that there's they're great money not in just the regular season, but in these playoffs. And the playoffs, I, I think, probably most especially in baseball, are such a crapshoot. You know, in hockey, the playoffs for me—that's the real regular season in the NHL. The 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 preseason is for all intents and purposes in hockey is almost the entire regular season, but the playoffs begin the real season. But, but anyway, the, the point is to your point about the shame of it all, that the bills won four straight AFC championships. They got up off the deck each and every year when the rest of the world wanted someone else in there, everyone was against them. Everyone doubted them every year. And they kept coming back, and anything can happen in a championship game. And it's a shame because they, they should not be remembered as four-time losers. They should be remembered for four straight winning seasons, championship seasons in the AFC. And you mentioned some of those teams, the, the players rather specifically, the Gun offense, all the Hall of Famers, Marv Levy, Hall of Fame coach, Bill Polian, who put that team together as the general manager, Uh, it'll never happen again because winning is so hard. Uh, It, 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 it'll never happen again. Another team wins four straight, probably heck for that matter, four straight anything in, in uh, championships uh, in any sport. And so, yeah, I agree. It's a shame. And um, for, for me, I'll finally remember those years. It's just, Watching, watching greatness.
0: Well, they got a hell of a team now and a hell of a quarterback. And I got to think for somebody, you know, once you work, cause I worked for the Oakland Raiders for years, you know, once you work for a team, you you, you always root for that team. And I think there had to be a big smile on your face, knowing that you want to talk about a great fan base who shows up in freezing weather and, uh, how good, you know, hearing about Toronto, hearing about all these other places, you have to be very happy for the Bills Mafia, knowing that it looks like they're finally going to get their new stadium.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love the fact that they're back to winning again. They've got great ownership there, although Ralph Wilson was just a uh, just a gem of a human being, a great man. Um, But 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 they they put it together again finally after all these years and I would I, I you're right I I did smile and uh, I I'd love to see them get over the top because I I think once they do win that first Super Bowl then then people will uh, maybe forget those four years of losing and kind of add that uh, as the uh, it's no longer it was a dynasty then in my mind but 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 certainly uh, include those four years as part of just a great organization. And I think that Super Bowl championship will put them over the top and they could finally end the stigma of those of those four years.
0: All right. Before before you get out of here, looking at the division, we know the Pirates are not going to win it, but looking at handicapping the division, you got the brew crew uh, the Cardinals look like they're having one big farewell tour, whether it's pull holes, Wainwright, the bands back together again. Uh, Cincinnati is unloaded players. The Cubs, how do you see the Central playing out?
1: Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say that the Pirates don't have a chance. I mean, uh, it, it, it's slim, but uh, if, you know, in, in reality, uh, I, I, it looks as though – the uh, probably the, the the Brewers and the Cardinals are uh, the, the best teams right now going into the season. Uh, anything can happen. And then uh, I would guess the Cubs are still going to be pretty decent. Uh, but uh, the, the, the Pirates and the Reds, the Reds unloaded, you know, just about everybody. Um, and so I think the, the Reds are going to go in probably – a situation now where they're just starting their rebuild. Uh, but I would, yeah, I never bet against the Dagon Cardinals. Uh, you, you mentioned their farewell tour, you know, those three, they're, the ageless ones uh, certainly watching Molina and Wainwright. Uh, now I'll never forget about five years ago going into maybe in late May, early June into St. Louis and Wainwright was pitching against us and we were getting set for the television open and talking about Wainwright just about finished. And uh, his ERA was over six, and you know we're, we're talking about on the air like, well, he just his stuff just isn't there. And that was you know five years ago. For my money, by the way, I, I was saying this at the end of last season, uh, for the last month or so, nobody listened. I'm sure the people in St. Louis felt this way. My National League Most Valuable Player, by far, and it wasn't close, was Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright was the most valuable player. In the National League last year. I don't want to sh- anybody to show me any stats about Bryce Harper or anybody else. I saw it. I saw what Wainwright meant to that team. Um, kept them afloat and, and uh, they won because of him. Uh, so I- I'm, I'm going to go probably Cardinals w- w- will, will win that the division in all likelihood uh, with uh, the others chasing them.
0: Put your front office hat back on. Are you guys going to give Albert Pujols like a uh, a rocking chair? Or what What will be the going away party gift?
1: What a great question. I don't know. And, uh, they you know, the, the marketing people don't want to hear from me because I'm always whining to them about what I think they should do. Um, I will say, though, since you brought this up and I had not thought about it, but I will let them know for what it's worth. I talked to Pujols last year. When the Angels were in town, and I just had not seen him for a while, just to say, just to to congratulate him on a great career. And he said, You know, I've always, this has always been my favorite road ballpark. And I will tell them that. So maybe something of, uh, maybe some great photograph of him walking up to the plate at PNC Park. I I bet she'd love that. Thanks for that idea, and I'll I'll tell Albert if that's what the Pirates decide to give him, it was your idea. Pierogies for life? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's a good one, too. That's a great idea. Pierogies for life. Depending on what you want, you want cheese, Chester, sauerkraut, salt, or jalapeno, hannah. Those are three of the five or six of them. Those are the only ones I could name.
0: Hey, we always love having you on the program. We really appreciate it, and we'll check back with you during the season.
1: Thanks a million for having me on, guys. All right. Take care.
0: Greg Brown, longtime broadcaster. I mean, he's had some unbelievable. I mean, you just look at his Wikipedia. Man, from the Bills, part of the front office with the Pirates. He's the raise the Jolly Roger. He's not going to be raising the Jolly Roger all that much this year, boy. Yeah, well. You know,
2: I'm a, I'm a realistic uh, Pirates fan. I know that they're going to be terrible, so um, I'm just looking towards one.
0: Henry- how many Pirates games will you even watch this year?
2: Uh, Well, they started three hours ahead of us, but we'll be on the air at that time, so I won't be able to watch That's them. That's what
0: I'm saying. How, may, I mean, how many times as a Pirates fan will you say, it's Saturday, I'm not going to leave my house because I'm going to turn the Pirates on and watch them on a Saturday or Sunday morning?
2: Uh, I might put an inning or two on because that starts at ten a.m. So an inning or two. You
0: bring up this six-seven shortstop. I'll watch it. I watched him the other day. He looks like a big bird out there. He it's crazy. You know he looks like I powered forward. He looks like a he looks like a he looks like a, a forward because even though six-seven's not tall in basketball, but in baseball that's huge. It's like I mean Randy Johnson was what six ten. Yeah, a, a position player. I'll give you comparable. Like Richie Sexton was what six seven six eight? He was a big. He was a big human being. First baseman. Yeah. This is a shortstop. If you've got a six seven shortstop, I would tune in to watch that. The crazy thing about him too
2: is, like I said, he played two games last year in the majors. One of them, he had a home run. It was one of the farthest hit home runs of the year. If it wasn't the farthest, it was like the hardest hit according to sadcast. He played in two games. Then the, he's killing it. In, I know it's it's spring training, so. But they, silly. Don't want
0: to, they don't want to start the clock. Exactly. Let's not talk yeah. about, oh, we're worried. We're worried about if he comes up, he's going to embarrass himself. And that, You're trying to tell me a kid from the Dominican who's battled through whatever he's had a battle in his life, if he struggles a little bit and you send him back down, that he's going to be so crushed? Not buying it. Uh, that is all about when are we going to start this free agency clock? Coming up next... Since everybody is in a small, sample size theater when it comes to writing a book, I'm going to play a little myself. How important is the walk for an offense? Do you think it's important?
2: Helps your on-base. You score runs with the guys. Do you that think
0: walks. the on-base percentage is the end-all of end-all? No, not really. Kevin Euclid was the Greek god of walks.
2: He won a couple he won a couple World Series.
0: Let's play a little sample size theater next right here on A's cast live. A's cast live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend All right I'm having to look this up really quick because I did research today. Ooh Tiger played a full 18 at Augusta today. Wow. I'm still saying no way he plays. All right. And then I went inside the house, and my wife threw away my work. And I don't know where it is. But don't worry, I still will have this for you. Since we love to play sample size theater, and we love to. Use something and make it look like it's fact. I'm going to show you how this all plays out and how anybody can use numbers in baseball and make it look like that is the end-all, end-all. This is how we have to judge things. We have been told that the walk walks as good as a hit. Do I care how he gets on base? You don't. Wasn't that money ball? Do I care if it's a hit or a walk? Do I? No. As long as you get on base. Because that's all that matters getting on base, right? Yeah. Because getting on base with walks, you'd think if you walk a lot, you would be one of the top run-producing teams in baseball. Because you're working the pitcher, which when you work the pitcher means he's pitching uh, a lot of pitches, which means you're then going to get into the bullpen because you want to get into that bullpen, right? Most likely, yes. All right, so let's play small sample size theater as they like to do on MLB Now. And I'm going to prove my point based off something very small. One season. Not the last five seasons not the last 10 seasons 20 seasons just last season who was the number one team in baseball last year in walks houston you're not even in the top five
2: Uh, okay if
0: it wasn't houston remember houston hits which you you and your people think is overrated. They also don't, you, you they want don't, walks. They don't strike out either. No, no. You want walks.
2: Uh, let's see, walks. Um, walks. Who was number one in baseball in walks? Non-playoff team, I'm assuming. Detroit. That's your answer. Well, I'm looking because I see Robbie Grossman was on the leaders in the league.
0: The New York Yankees led all of baseball Uh, last year in walks with 621. Number two on the list would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number three would be the San Francisco Giants. And then there was a three-way tie uh, to round out the top five. So really it's six teams that qualified for the top five. Uh, So they're tied at four. That's the White Sox, the Brewers, and the Padres. So those are your top five, which was actually six, in walks in baseball last year. All playoff teams, but one. How did that translate to runs scored?
2: Well, the Yankees are one of the worst offensive teams in
0: baseball. No, 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 no. Can't be. They're number one in walks. But they were a terrible offensive team. How can you be a terrible offensive team when you walk? Because I'm told walks are so valuable and so important. All of these teams have to be the best offensive teams in baseball. Well, let's see. One of their players led the league in strikeouts, so that doesn't help. He also was one of the league leaders in walks. I can't listen to that because all I can listen to is when people tell me how valuable walks are. You told me it doesn't matter how I get on base as long as I get on base. So, the New York Yankees, number one in walks, were 19th in runs. One of the worst in the American League. 19th. Do you know that the only team to make the top five in runs scored and be a top five walk team was? The Giants. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Giants weren't one of the top run scoring teams? Giants were sixth. Oh, okay. Not in top five. White Sox were seventh. Uh, your Milwaukee Brewers Ooh, you're high on them. They were 12th in run scored. So, according, so if I was to write a book, I could write a book saying walks are overrated because it doesn't mean you're going to be one of the best offensive teams in baseball because the only thing that matters is runs scored. That's the only thing that matters. You got to outscore the other team to win the game. However you score is however you score. But that is the number. I mean, unless I've completely lost my mind, is scoring runs not the most important offensive stat? Yeah, you're right. You're correct. Can I can I say can I be safe to say that, or has baseball got so crazy that we're not going to say that actually scoring runs is the most important stat? Oh no, it's the most important stat. Okay, so we can still agree on that. Yeah, we agree on that. Okay, uh, your number one run scoring teams. Uh, Not big walk team in the Astros. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. They
2: struck out a lot, too.
0: (laughs) Uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Los Angeles Dodgers and Boston Red Sox. Those are your top five scoring teams last year in baseball. So it's interesting just because I'm reading this book and the book. Obviously, to sell books, you want to use names because names are the hook, right? The names are, when I can throw in, yeah, Jack Morris shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, and yeah, Jacob deGrom. See, Jacob deGrom proves my, I'm using one year. I guarantee you that if I go through the last five, ten years, that teams that walked a lot probably were the top teams and runs scored. I bet you a lot of the teams would be the top but i can show you one year it doesn't translate that's why you can't tra- that's why you can't trust these small sample sizes you can't you can't you can't you can't build a business and you can't build a theory off outliers that's why top things that you th- things that are successful i usually use companies have an extraordinary amount of data Procter and Gamble has been one of the top top companies in the United States of America for over a hundred years. That's where you get all your toilet paper, your toothpaste, and whatever you're buying at the grocery store. You're getting from Procter and Gamble because they're data driven. That's why Amazon. That's why Amazon is you know the most successful company in the world right now. They're data driven, and they use a lot of data versus utilizing one person one year one this trying to prove your point which we get a lot with our new analytical books because they don't you it's it's tough and I and to you know give them a little defense sports change so it's kind of tough to hey baseball in the 50s compared to baseball in 2022 I get it but you can use X amount of years at X amount of decades. And too many times I'm seeing like one name, one year, one this to prove a point. Would you at least give me that? Oh, there's always gonna be there's always
2: gonna be the outliers. I mean I I always use the Grom, of course. But I'm I went back and just looked at twenty nineteen for block for leaders. Houston, playoff team. Milwaukee,
0: playoff team. Now I want run scored, because that is even they're a playoff team because well, yeah, well, there's pitching, there's defense, there's a lot of things that go into it. I want walks to runs scored. Where uh, did they rank? The
2: Astros are number one in baseball, 645 walks. They rank third in runs scored.
0: There you go. There's a top five team.
2: Boston was a top five team in walks. They were fifth. They're fourth in runs scored. Okay, that's two. The Dodgers were fourth in walks. They were a. They were the fifth ranked offense. So there you team. go. You
0: got three. Th- there's my point. I only used one year. To make me sound smart, I didn't go back and go through all these years because, like I said, you probably would find teams that lead the league and walk usually are probably high up there on runs scored. But I can find one outlier a year. I found my Jacob deGrom. It was 2022.
2: You know, I'm looking at this. One of the least walk teams in 2019 just so happened to be the team that had the most home runs in the history of baseball, but they're the, also one of the high scoring teams in baseball. The Twins. So I found you an outlier.
0: Well, I, I I find also interesting um, Yankees too. Kind of throwing out the triple crown, like the home run and the RBI are so tied to each other that so many instances in the history of baseball, the guy that hits the most home runs leads the league in RBIs. It's happened forty. Can't remember what I read, but it was like forty something times. It's happened. So it's not, it's not crazy to think that the guy that hits the most home runs is going to lead the league in RBIs, because the the two stats are so connected together.
2: Well, it happened last year with Sal Perez, run, leader in home runs and uh, RBI. Uh, didn't have a, I mean his batting average is okay. He doesn't walk a lot, but that's okay because he hits a lot of home runs. He hit forty eight of them. That scored forty eight runs just by himself. So. I was looking at just the the base on ball leaders from last year.
0: You know who gets love in this book? And going back to Anthony Castrovitz, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, is a player that was completely, uh, you can't say ahead of his time, but he did things that if he played today, he would be looked at differently. And he is a friend of the program. That is the great... Gene Tennis. Gene Tennis, back in the day, was a walk machine. He walked 101 times in 73, 110 times in 74, 81 times in 76, 125 in, in 1977, 101 in 78, and 105 in 1979. Ray Crock, remember he went and played for the Padres, Ray Kroc the McDonald's guy who owned the Padres at the time. And it's in this book that says, all he does is walk. But if you're a guy walking, I mean, he would basically be in a way kind of like Joey Votto. 129 home runs, 106 walks. Now, obviously guys weren't hitting home. They played in different ballparks, harder to hit home runs at the Coliseum than it is at the great American band box. But yeah, if if Gene Tennis played today and put up thirty home runs and a hundred walks, people would love him.
2: I agree with that. Padres, could,
0: Padres couldn't wait to get rid of him.
2: That was he. That was actually a question on Twitter a few weeks ago. I think it was High Heat Stats. They 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 take a they take like a screenshot of a, a baseball reference a player's career and they take off like the team or like the age or whatever to make it harder. And it's like name this player based on their stats. And one of them, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, was Gene Tennis because he was like this catcher. Wasn't the best when it came to batting average, but he did walk a lot. And and I remember looking. I'm like, who is this? And I looked, and I was like, oh, it's Gene Tennis. But I was looking at just the walk leaders from last year. Do you know who led baseball in walks last year? Nope. It was Juan Soto with 145 walks.
0: Where are the Nationals ranking? Uh, And we're very good. That's uh, obviously not his fault. Where, where was he in runs scored?
2: Uh, let's see. Runs. Now, base orbans when brings up the to top 10, he was 6th. He was tied with Jose Ramirez at 111. So, others on the list, Joey Gallo of 111. He also struck out 213 times. Uh, Bryce Harper, the MVP, walked 100 times. Robbie Grossman walked 98 times. Otani, 96. Matt Olson 88. Grandal at 87. Um, Carlos Santana at 86. And that was tied with Vlad Guerrero Jr. at '86 and Freddie Freeman at '85. If you look through this list, Vado play or Votto, Gallo played for a playoff team ha- halfway through the end, so I guess I can include him. We'll do him as a half. Three and a half, two and a half guys made the postseason last year, and they were league leaders in walks.
0: My 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 interest in this great walk debate is. Certain guys have the ability to draw walks. One of the reasons why is they have power, and pitchers are afraid at times to throw certain strikes to guys that can leave the yard. Pretty simple? I agree, yeah. Okay. So those guys can get walks. Now, the problem is... And I don't have any data to back me on this. I guess with StatCast, we would now. But I could use a couple guys have played here in the Bay Area. And when Billy Bean looks over to Paul D. Podesta on Moneyball and says, do I care if he gets on base with a walk or a hit? You do not. True, but how do I score a slow lumbering guy? That's something that doesn't get factored in. Gene Tennis is not a track star. I'll give you two other guys Jack Cust and Brandon Bell. They're not track stars. So the argument could be Gene Tennis. Well, it's not his fault. I mean, he got on base. He did his job. Okay. But for a guy who walked a lot, he sure didn't score a whole heck of a lot of runs. For example, he led the league in walks with 110, scored 71 times. Led the league in walks with 125, scored 66. So you'd really need – I mean, obviously – I was a little kid. I don't don't remember, but like, how hard was it to score Gene Tennis from first when he walked? Incredibly hard. It seems like because if you're not, I mean, if you're not
2: fast, you're not gonna be able to get around the bases that quick. Now, now there's things that they're trying to do now with moving second base around to try to make more runs scored. But for a guy like Gene Tennis, it's gonna be hard to you know qualify that with him trying to score from first on a ball in the gap. Um, they'll probably they're probably holding him a third, three two out of three times. For
0: instance, Joey Votto's not slow.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what he runs like now.
0: He's not Albert Pujols. No, back no. in the day. Okay, so when so I'm gonna give you Joey Votto at a young age, twenty seven years old, walked hundred and ten times, scored a hundred and one runs. At the age of 29, walked 135, scored 101. Uh, Walked 143, scored 95. One year, walked 108, scored 101. And then another year, uh, walked 134, uh, scored 106. That's more like I would want to see it, right? If you're walking 100 plus times, you're scoring near 100 runs. So. Yeah, is it great that a guy is feared and he gets walked a lot? Sure, but how am I scoring him? Becomes my question. Whether that's fair or not to him, probably not fair. But uh, how fair. hard? How hard is it to like you know, say? Well, it's not as hard. But how many hits do I need to get to score him from first? Probably, I would say two. Unless it's obviously a home run, negates that. But
2: two you get a double, maybe a double, he might go to third. Then I said three.
0: hits. Yeah, two. Do you think two base hits gets Gene Tennis home? Well, if you hit a double, then a single. All right, I'm saying, okay, no extra base hits. How many hits do oh, I need? Uh, three? Three, yeah, probably. I need three straight singles or a three, or I need somebody to walk. That, that. I don't know how we would look at that. I don't know if there's a metric to look at that, but wouldn't that be interesting to find out? Like, big guys who hit home runs, who are feared, who walk, but they're slugs on the bases. They're never going to have great run scoring numbers.
2: The first guy I thought of when you're talking about modern baseball and we think about guys at home runs and and walked a lot, he's a bad example because he actually led the league in runs scored. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., when you think Vlad Guerrero Jr., do you think a track star? No, but he... Lo-
0: he can... I don't he can think move. of him
2: as... Like, he's not uh, Pablo Sandoval running bases. No. He's not Buster Posey. He's not
0: popping his belt, let's yeah. be honest.
2: But he did score 123 runs, and he walked, I think, 86 times. And he also hit, how many home runs? 40, what, he hit 40-something? But the Jays also had three guys in the top five in runs scored last year. But Those are all guys hitting at the top of that lineup. So you're... you're, you're your question about Gene Tennis, the three hits, I mean, I, you could say that about a lot of catchers probably in the game, too.
0: Let me, let me let me give you Jack Cust, our old buddy Jackie Cust. Jack Cust walked 105 times in 2007 at the age of 28. How many runs scored do you think he had? Uh, 67. 61. That was a great guess. Oh, so he walked 105 times. Struck out 164. <laughs> Joey Votto or Joey Gallo. Yeah. But you would look at his OPS and you go, hey, he had a 912 OPS. It's uh,
2: above league average. That's way
0: above league average. So. What was his OPS plus? Uh,
2: 146. Oh, he's a, he's like in the superstar category.
0: That's why you go, but I watched him play and no, he was not. How many hell runs did he hit that year? He had 26. Okay. And everybody gets happy. Ah, 26 home runs. Struck out 164 times, walked 105, only scored 61 runs.
2: Actually, let me see me let me see me runs Joey Joey Gallo scored last. So,
0: hey, how about the next year? He led the league in walks with 111. How many times do you think he scored? 111 walks uh 57 77. Okay, so one up a little bit. Struck out 197 times.
2: Was the franchise record.
0: Was is the key word there. Yeah, Matt Chapman would blow by that. But I, just, I wonder like how we could really look at this to say, yeah, like the fact the guy got on base so much, but man, he didn't score a whole heck of a lot of runs. And if you start blaming everybody else, because that, that would be the argument, right? They would say, well, it's not his fault. It's the people around him. And then I just wonder, how hard is it to get him in? Let me look. There's one guy
2: I'm going to look at right now. The guy that led baseball and home runs last year. Sal Perez scored 88 runs. Okay, that's actually pretty good. For a guy that only walked, let's see, how many times did Sal walk last year? Um, It was really bad at one point. He only had like nine walks after a certain date. Sal Perez last year in in 620 at-bats, how many times do you think he walked? We're talking about the best home run hitter in the game last year. How many times did he walk?
0: Let's just say 54.
2: 28. Jeez. He struggled 170 times. He had a two seventy-three batting average. Every year in his career that he's been playing, you know, over 130 games, how many times has he broken 30 walks in a season? Say that again. So every so Sal Perez has been in the league. We'll include He's been in the league 10 years, the one year he missed because of Tommy John surgery. He's been in the league 10 years. Every year, if you don't count the COVID season, from 2013 on, he's played in at least 130 games. How many walks, how many times has he broke 30 walks in a season? Once. Never. Never? His career high in walks was last year, 28. He's going hacking. And he could be a potential Hall of Famer. This is a guy that never walks whatsoever. He's going hacking. Yeah, well, he struck out 170 times last year, 108 in 2018, Ninety-five, so he's broken hundred strikeouts three times in his career. But I mean, it always blew my mind when you look at him for what he did last year. He walked twenty-eight times in six hundred and twenty at bats.
0: But a guy like Jack Cuss can be horrible on defense. Walk hundred and eleven times, strike out almost two hundred times. You'd be like, oh, but he had an eight fifty-one OPS.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna that's uh, I'm gonna pull up one other guy that was a big home run hitter in the Bay Area. Let's see how many times. Uh, how many times Dave Kingman uh, led the league in walks? That'd be uh, Kong. That'd be uh oh, never, never. He did. He did uh, get sixty. Uh, he walked over sixty times once. How many times did he score hundred runs? A uh, hundred runs, never. Let me see. I'm, I'm never, never in his career did he score hundred runs. But he did strike out one thirty one, one fifty six, one nineteen. Won 14, but he also led the league in home runs two different times. But never walked and never scored a lot of runs.
0: And also when you hit home runs is also, a there. you know, are you the guy that hits the home run when the team's up 6-2 or down 6-2? Or, that was the one thing about Chris Davis that I will always give Chris Davis credit for. There was a span for X amount of years where Chris Davis – he hit home runs, and they truly meant something. They were tying games up. They were putting the A's in the lead. They were extending leads. He hit them when they mattered. I'm not. I you know, if you hit x amount, of, you know, x amount of home runs, they matter. But it was like they used to come up with you know, A Rod never hit home runs from the seventh inning on. You know, it was not hitting home runs that you know that that really change the score or change the outcome, I should say, of the game. That's what Chris Davis did. That's why he was so lethal when he had his time. Now Dallas Braden's going to join us. And let's ask Dallas as a pitcher, as a guy who had such great control. And... I mean Dallas. If he walked somebody, majority of the time, he was walking them because he wanted them to walk. He wanted to put them on. He was working. He was working it to in his favor. As we get you ready for a little A's and Dodgers here on A's Cast Live, do we have Dallas?
2: Uh, not yet. I'm calling him right now again.
0: I mean, how many times would Dallas walk a guy knowing I'll just leave him on first base and that that guy is not going to come around to score? And Is that a weapon for you as a pitcher? Like, I don't want to – because the guy can leave the ballpark on me. So – and if I get into a situation where I'm in a hitter's count, uh, I'm going to stay away from that. but we'll delve more into this book uh Anthony Cashavence's book as I continue to read it cuz you know what people value in our game has changed over the years you know from when we went to when from what from where we were with moneyball to where we are now oh my god I mean, I think of the money Billy Butler got from the A's. Do you know why he got that money? It was because Billy Butler had hit a lot of balls hard, but he was unlucky. He hit balls at people. He hit balls to where the defense was playing him. So one of the metrics that made the A's believe that was an unlucky year and why they gave him the money was because he smoked the ball all over the place. It just happened to be so many times at at Defenders that they thought his year was actually way better than it was with the Royals and that he'd come to Oakland and continue to smoke the ball over the yard. How did that work out?
2: It didn't. you know talking about XBA, expected batting average. How did that work out? It didn't. I'm looking at his expect let me let me find it his expected batting average in 2015 should have been 249 in 2016 it should have been 312 so didn't work out really until and how many games did he played in 2016 uh doesn't sh- in 2016 he had 221 at bats yeah so I don't know if that 312 batting average was going
0: to stick yeah, I mean, uh, uh, delving into some of these numbers, uh, truly fascinating. But, yeah, these big lumbering guys, how do you get them home? And I think the Yankees are a great example. It's like, you know, one of the things that uh, I was listening to today as they were previewing Yankee camp is is our old buddy Josh Donaldson who was talking about, you know what, I want to get more athletic. You know, so many years of pumping iron in the offseason and just trying to get strong that maybe it takes away from the game. And J.D. said something that made you just cringe. he was been playing a lot of basketball this offseason, and I'm like, oh, my God, a guy with a bad calf. But he believes, playing a lot of basketball, who, who was who, – Who was the one guy who loved playing basketball in season and off season? He loved basketball so much he had a court, an indoor court in his house.
2: I'm drawing blank. Is this before
0: my time? Hall of Famer. You've heard of him. Played basketball, huh? Um, Had an indoor suite indoor court. I'm I'm literally. Full court. Drawing a blank. Um, he has one of the greatest records of all time. It's truly an unbreakable record. Um, Nolan Ryan? No. I was going to say, he doesn't strike me as a big basketball guy. I have a six 6'4". I could see, I could see Nolan going down on the block on it. No, Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, yeah. See, I would have never known that. Cal Ripken Jr. loved Hoop. Hey, D's a size guy. 6'4". But yeah, he had a full court in his house there in uh, Maryland. I believe he lived in Maryland. Could have been Virginia, but I believe he lived in Maryland. But that I, I found that very interesting that Josh Donaldson, I it would scare the hell out of you if your Yankees training staff Dallas Braden joins us. Dallas, when you hear a guy that's had a bad calf for years and is getting older, says in the offseason, I want to get more athletic, so I started playing a lot of basketball. How do you feel when you hear that?
3: Well, I just hope that uh, if we're talking about the Yankees, I hope that he and Aaron Boone were able to team up and at least get together and, and, and formulate a, a dynamic to watch 2 No, I mean – Let's, let's be honest. That's probably not exciting a lot of people that are in decision-making positions uh, because we all know that the contract comes with you know little clauses in it. And it tells you, hey, can you not do this? Can you not do that? You know, Can you not ride a horse? Can you not ride a motorcycle? Can you not ride a snowboard? Can you not play in a hoop-it-up pickup basketball tournament? Those are just things that they're asking you not to do, to not jeopardize your playing time, not jeopardize the health, you know, for the company that's paying you probably a decent chunk of change to go out there and play baseball. So look, I'll tell you straight up. I have always marveled at soccer players and NBA players just simply because of their cardio capacity, because it's just up and down, chase this ball up and down the court in the field all day. It doesn't stop, you know, sure. You're going to run all offensive set or whatnot, but, but really it's just about being, continuously m- mobile moving and so i get it but for jd ah i, I feel like you know there, there's this thing county called the upper bike and it's just it's two handles and you pedal it with your arms tremendous tremendous cardio workout there i would i would I, I would slowly move away from keeping josh donaldson on his feet as as much as possible i mean that's kind of like just giving the guy a pair of strength shoes. And to, you remember those things where you just yes. you walk and you jump on your cat? It's like, Hey, JD, what do you live five miles away from the ballpark? Why don't you just put these strength shoes on and run down here to the yard and we'll see how the cat feels after that. Sound good? No, that doesn't sound good. That sounds terrible.
0: Was there ever a time in your career, someone invited you to do something and you said, yeah, can't do that against the contract. I'm going to have to pass. I used to
3: love to snowboard. My buddies are huge into snowboarding and that was something that I just never got to go do. I couldn't do it because for me, you know, we always joke about when you're a, when you're a low man on the totem pole or or maybe you're 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 not a high draft pick, you know, if if you were to hurt a, a high draft pick. We always oh like, if I hit somebody in the face with a baseball, I'm getting released 10 minutes from now. Like I, I can't happen. So as a guy who was drafted in the 24th round, I could not show up to spring training or I couldn't report to our pitching coordinator and say, Hey, yeah, I have been able to touch a ball for a little while. I had this snowboarding accident. <laughs> That's why I could not like, what? No, I would, I would have been released. Four minutes into that conversation, mean, I basically had to pay to play baseball as it was. I was not trying to jeopardize any opportunity I might have had for myself. So that's that's part of the, the give and take. We talk about, you know, I'm actually having similar conversations right now with my oldest nephew uh, because, you know, baseball is a very real possibility for him beyond high school. And I have been explaining to him over the past two years, look, man, there's just things that are going to come up that socially you're going to want to be a part of, you're going to want to go and do, and you have to weigh the risk-reward, meaning what you could do this weekend could very well put at risk the reward you're trying to earn for yourself, which is another day to play baseball and earn an education because you can play baseball. Those decisions are tough, but they have to be made now. If you want to be like your uncle, a washed-up has-been, Thirty-eight year old dude who gets to play video games at two p.m. in the afternoon during the off season because that's what I that's those are the decisions I tried to make. So it's it's tough, but but you you have to understand what the what the brass ring is, right? What what you got your eye on the prize. So I mean, look, and that's nothing that JD doesn't know. He's a super vet. He he gets it. Um, but but you know, <laughs> there's things that are just done differently these days. And and hey, I'm just glad that I'm not the one writing the paycheck watching him, he of a, a balky calf uh, playing pickup basketball.
0: Yeah, when the conversation with the GM starts, I was in Tahoe, you know it's not going to end well. Uh, Dallas Braden <laughs> is with us here on Hayes Cast Live. And, you know, we were talking about um, guys that walk a lot. Usually you can see that guys are bigger guys, home run hitters, maybe pitchers don't want to deal with them, and that you know, at times those guys can be tough to, to, to score. Like they get on base and that's great, but how do I score them? And I was thinking about you. I mean, really for the majority of your career, if you were walking somebody, it was intentional. Would you ever say, I'm not going to mess with this guy. I'm going to walk them. And I know it's going to be really hard for them to get them around to score.
3: Right. I mean, there's guys that you have circled in that lineup and, 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 and I'm not picking on the machine at all Albert Pujols who I think we all are pretty excited about him making his way back to St. Louis but for all intents and purposes that's an individual that if he's standing on first base like you're going to have to get four or five hits for him to come around and score right like that's that's pretty much what it's going to take I mean it's either a homer or you're going to have to hit like three triples and then maybe he'll be <laughs> in scoring position by that time and for for me it was an opportunity where if you're you know if you've identified a spot in the lineup a, a breeding hole of sorts think about being trapped under ice you're looking for a hole to come up and catch your breath well those clogs can represent that and it's almost a double-edged sword that you're trying to sheath like i don't want this guy hurting me power wise and i understand that i'm putting traffic on the base path but i don't want it to be a one-run swing compliments of that big bopper there what i can do though what i have confidence in is making my pitch to the next guy. And I'm going to pick my poison here. And I know if I've got less than two outs with that guy, that big bopper standing there on first clogging the bases, like a bad bow. Like I'm, I'm okay with that because I'd like to think that I could get a, get a little rollover, a little four, six, three, six, four, three, whatever. And, and live to fight another day. So there is absolutely strategy involved when you're trying to weave your way in and out of a lineup that's got a lot of potency in it, you're looking for those guys that could, A, hurt you, but, B, really serve as sort of a, a slowing down, like a clog effect, for you to try to get that ground ball and get, your, get you and the boys out of that inning.
0: You know, I've always said about our beloved Oakland Athletics is that it's the, the land of opportunity. And you've been through it in your career where you're a young guy and you're looking up and, you know, you pitch well you're going to have that opportunity at some point to get to the big leagues to where some organizations you're trapped. There's always somebody above you. You don't get that opportunity. What is it like to be in the minor leagues for the A's knowing that you do what you need to do? There's a chance for you to get to the big leagues. Well, I, I can
3: understand, you know, the the, the idea of the, the A's and what the situation right now represents. I always try to send the message to guys in other organizations as well, that each and every day you take the ball, whether it's an A ball or the big leagues, is always an audition for the 29 other teams out there because there's going to be movement, whether you like it or not, whether you have a say in it or not. So all you can do is continue to represent and show what you are capable of doing. That being said, when you understand that the pathway is maybe a little wider and there's more of an opportunity based on what things look like ahead of you, well, that's where you have to go into assassin mode. You have to go into hunter mode. You need to become a great white. That way, the minute there's a drop of blood in the water, you know how to circle, you know how to strike, and you know how to clamp down and not let go of the opportunity that has arisen. And that's what the mindset needs to be like, whether you are in short season or you're in AAA and you're just a phone call away. The mentality should always be, I'm just a phone call away. I'm a big leaguer stuck in A-ball. I'm a big leaguer stuck in AA. And when you have movement ahead of you, look, the writing's on the wall, right? We're not saying anything that isn't already readily apparent when you take a look at a roster. So if those opportunities are there, I don't understand how anybody could not want to be doing everything possible within their reach to put themselves in a better position than they were in yesterday. That has to be the mentality.
0: You know, so much of professional sports is in between the ears. And we now talk so much about analytics, which are basically math equations, how we're judging these players with these numbers And I'm reading this book about analytics, and it talks about how the W uh, for a starting pitcher is overrated and not a good way to judge a starting pitcher. And I say to myself, the mental side of a starting pitcher, that carrot that you throw out there for a starting pitcher, the achievement And I think about a guy like yourself, Dallas, when you're out there and you're battling for that W and there's runners on, there's 30,000 people in the stands, there's just chaos. A pitcher's not up there thinking about his ex-fip. He's thinking about that W. He's thinking about that carrot. Talk about as a starting pitcher, you're going to have analytics and you're going to have numbers that tell you how good you really are. But what does the record mean to you as the human being, the starting pitcher?
3: Well, it it means a lot because you understand how hard it is. Once you get to the big leagues, and frankly, you know, upper level pro, pro ball, you understand how difficult it is to win a baseball game, period, full stop. Now think about being the starting pitcher who's responsible for giving his ball club the opportunity to win that game. You understand now, you know, these days, over the course of five, six innings, that's not necessarily enough work to be done. And I never believed it was when I was pitching. You know, I, I love the idea of a six-inning, three-run outing being quality. And and I always say this, at the end of the year, if I give you 32 of those starts, just like that, my ERA is a 4.5 ERA. And if you just glance at that, you're not looking at me like a guy who's given you a chance to win every day. You're looking at me like somebody who's probably putting pressure on the offense, putting pressure on the defense. So when you think about the way that the analytics have kind of I don't want to say taken over, but the role that they have taken in assessing talent, in assessing ball clubs, it's it's now something where ironically we're watching the value of the starting pitcher, the value of the guy who can go deep almost increase again because of the analytics, because you're trying to identify These rare birds, these unicorns that can give you that seven inning body of work, two runs or less, so that the bullpen that you're going to be heavily reliant upon actually catches a breather here and there. Because over the course of a road road trip, 10 games or so, how often is that bullpen going to be asked to either clamp it down and stop the bleeding or to win the ball game for that team? rendering the starting pitcher basically a non-factor well, quite a few times I'm going to guess probably four at least half maybe of those games in a road trip you're going to be really relying upon those those bullpen guys and understandably so but from a starting pitcher's perspective when we were told and it was kind of you know mathematically introduced that the win doesn't mean much a lot of that had to do with how bullpens were going to be deployed how things were going to be used, how players were going to be used. So there's a point of pride that goes into it, and I totally understand it because you want to hang around long enough in the ball game to really matter. And that's when we talk about guys who may or may not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm, I'm not saying that he does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I love the idea that a guy like Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because when you listen to his teammates – and you listen to the men that he competed against, understanding what he represented every fifth day for his team and essentially what the other team had to game plan for, that was a dude who was just not coming out of the ball game. It just wasn't going to happen, and he did that. I mean, we're talking about a 10-inning, game seven. I mean, that's absolutely animalistic, but that's the mentality, is I want to hang around long enough so if this doesn't work out, Put it on me. My fault. I'm the one who couldn't get it done. Or at the end of it all, thank God I was able to give my offense just enough of a chance to put up one more run than them and we're able to either hand the ball over to those absolutely devastating relievers, or if I'm fortunate enough, I get to finish what I started. So it's a huge point of pride from a starting pitcher's perspective, and I would really love to see – starters mentalities kind of get back to that because it does feel at times as though the crutch that has been presented in terms of bullpen usage is, is allowing guys to sort of cash out after six. And then you're just really excited. If you get through six, you're really excited if you get through seven, which again, if you're following the way the game has been played recently, that's not a knock on the game. That's just the way the game has evolved. So I'm never one to cast stones at the way the game is played today, because I understand this game is ever evolving, but it's a fun little exercise to turn back and think about how many guys were pitching seven, eight innings when their team was down four runs or so, just because that's the way starters went just because that's the way how they that's the way they were deployed. So it's, it's definitely different these days, but in in terms of valuing the win and valuing, a guy that can get you through seven, maybe eight, maybe even finish it. I mean, those are rare breeds these days.
0: You know and I think bullpens year to year, you just have no idea. Like one year, you it's a strength. The next year, it's a major weakness. Why do you think they are so all over the board year to year? Because you're asking a multitude of guys. You're asking
3: eight, nine guys to constantly be on it. Each and every day, I'm going to need you two to have your best days today. And then tomorrow, it's going to be you two. I'm going to need to have your best days. And then maybe tomorrow, it might be you three. And if we get lucky, maybe the day after that, I'm only going to need one or two of you again. Which ones? I don't know. Based on your performances those few days prior, it might not be you. And so when you think about asking that much out of that many guys day in, day out, things change. Guys are either trying to figure something out by way of a pitch or by way of feel. Maybe they've worked on something mechanically or they're going through something mechanically. And this just happens to be the year where it's not getting put together. This just happens to be the year where things are herky-jerky and I just can't quite figure it out. And if that happens, and that happens to maybe one or two guys down there in a bullpen, the entire complexion of that troop of arms down there has changed because now the guy you were relying upon on the plus side of things were when, when we're winning a ball game and this guy can give us maybe four or five outs. Well, if he's, if he's stumbling right now, who do you go to? You're going to be asking someone very different than that fella to do his job. And that's not his job. His job is something else, but that now changes in the blink of an eye. So that's why I believe bullpen uh, performance can be hit or miss. Is because very rarely do you get the guys who are as you know who are as consistent as, as you'd like them to be for years at a time. It, it's it's tough to find, especially when you're talking about an entire group of guys. You'd love to have six out of the eight completely dialed in for a four or five year stretch. Well, what are the odds that those fellows are a part of your bullpen for that four or five year stretch, right? Guys pitch well. Guys outperform their contracts. Guys get paid. Guys move on. Things change. So you're constantly asking a lot of a large group of people that is really very fluid when you think about the way bullpens are used between the AAA level and the big league level.
0: Man, I could could talk to you all day, but I got to get the Dodgers A's.
3: Oh, let's go. Let's go. We got baseball at nighttime in the desert county. I can almost smell opening day, my brother.
0: Oh, it's the best. Be well. We'll talk
3: soon. Sounds good, buddy. We'll see you.
0: The great Dallas Braden right here on A's Cast Live. Seriously, I can just talk to him all day long. He's the best. That's such a great perspective. How much time do we got? We're running out of time. I'm just warming. The coffee's just kicking in. It's not even six o'clock yet.
2: I know it's uh, it's we're starting to get back in that that mode of uh six, four four to almost six for our well, start Not seen,
0: and then now I would I would do pregame. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm we're, getting I'm am get, I'm, I'm starting rounding into hey, let's go. I'd be ready for pregame.
2: Well, we we're out of time, so we're well, just out of time. Well, we we I have to play a few spots, getting us up to. 6. We're back tomorrow. at What time? 11 a.m. So we're back tomorrow at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Uh, Eno Saris is going to join us. Talk about. All thirty ball te- uh, all thirty ball clubs having a humidor at their ballpark
0: this year. Can I put my cigars in there for the? Great-
2: that's what my friend saw when I said there's humidors. they're humidor. like Cause I can put my cigars. I'm like, well, not really what I'm talking about, but oh. like it's a good question. And Dan Hayes from the Athletic in Minnesota to preview and the I Twins. Totally
0: didn't have time to get to that. Jim Bowden. Gave the A's an A yep, yep. for their off season. When you sent me that, I cringed. I was like, I don't want to look at this. I, yeah. They got an A. Do we talk about that tomorrow?
2: Yes, and and moving second base around. It's a good. It's a good topic as well. Could we right. see more stolen bases?
0: But we have to also challenge him on something about small sample size because he can be a little bit of a small sample size. No, of course. Yes, he's a big analytics guy. And he'll write like 30 pages on it. (laughs) Our buddy Eno tomorrow, we'll see you at 11. Enjoy a little A's baseball, A's and the Dodgers right here on A's cast and the A's radio network.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.